Seismic shifts have hit our society, leaving people unmoored from truth and unsettled in their faith. The question asked by David in Psalm chapter 11, verse 3 resonates among many today. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? In our present cultural environment, it's imperative for followers of Christ to be convictional, courageous, and compassionate. We must know what we believe, why we believe it, and how we can communicate it to others. In short, we must be unshaken in our faith, Psalm 62.2, and unashamed of the gospel, Romans 1.16. Grounded in truth and lived out in God's grace, our faith in Christ will change our own lives and ultimately transform a broken world. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island. When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street. And when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. Listen now to part two of a message called The Timelessness of Truth. Researcher George Barna has discovered that nearly 75% of Americans do not believe in absolute truth. Here's the sad part about that. Without the clarity and consistency of absolute moral truth, we're reduced to doing what seems right, what feels good, what produces the least resistance, and what provides the greatest possible personal fulfillment. And so in a world which no longer believes in absolute truth and embraces outright and egregious error, it's imperative, church... For you and I, as followers of Christ, if you're a born-again believer, it's imperative that you and I be discerning. So here's a prayer that we should pray. It's a prayer prayed by Solomon. And we can also see how God answered it. Give your servant, 1 Kings 3, verse 9, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. And then in chapter 4, we see, now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind like the sand that is on the seashore. Friends, we need very great discernment today, don't we? You do know truth is not always convenient, and it's not popular. I love listening to preachers. I love reading sermons. I love listening to sermons. A preacher from of old, he's in glory now, Adrian Rogers once said this, it is better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. It is better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than falsehood that comforts and then kills It's better, it's hard, but it's better to stand alone with the truth than to be wrong with a multitude. It is better to ultimately succeed with truth than to temporarily succeed with a lie. Friends, let's just say what the Bible says. The Bible tells the truth about God as creator. The Bible tells the truth that our gender is determined by God at conception as either male or female. By the way, 
The topic of identity will be addressed next weekend. That's a huge issue in our culture today. The truth of the Bible teaches that marriage is a covenant commitment between one man and one woman for life. The Bible, the truth of the Bible teaches that life begins at conception and therefore the preborn must be protected. The Bible teaches that the scriptures alone are sufficient and that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved from our sins and the judgment we deserve. That's what the truth of the Bible says. Now here are five ways I want to suggest that we can develop discernment today. Number one, make sure you settle the source of truth. What is true? Psalm 119, 151 says, but you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Several weeks ago, we hosted the Faith and Reason Seminar with Rick Magoo, and and he pointed out that our society holds scientists up as authoritative experts. It was helpful to be reminded how the Bible and science are not against one another because all truth is ultimately God's truth. And while science has helped us discover amazing facts about God's creation, and most of the pioneers of science believed in God as creator, we must ultimately decide whether scripture is true or what some scientists say is true. Let me illustrate. Darwinian evolution is a theory. It's not a fact. Now, some of us struggled with this on the Edgewood State of Theology survey where where only 77% of us disagreed with that statement that modern science disproves the Bible. Uh, You can see 11 more percent disagree with that. And so I was looking at that, and it just struck me, in the culture in which we live, science or experts have become the truth source. A number are not sure, and perhaps you're in process on that. We have a lot of newer people here. A lot of people who took this survey are in high school. And, um, but I, I just want to point out something that Rick shared at the seminar. Rick mentioned how over 900 PhD scientists are now questioning Darwinism and they're signing their names to a website called descentfromdarwin.org. This week, I went on that website that 900 has now increased to over 1,000. Here's the statement they signed, quote, we are skeptical of claims for the ability of random mutation and natural selection to account for the complexity of life. Careful examination of the evidence for Darwinian theory should be encouraged. Number two, tell the truth about what is right and what is wrong. John Stone Street, um, who served for many years with Chuck Colson, uh, he has a, a daily podcast and writes a number of books. L- listen to what John Stone Street said. Ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. Ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. It's getting harder, he writes, for Christians to say not only what is courageously true in the public square, but also not co-opted into saying what is not true. 
A tension that we all have to hold together is to say what is true along with the courage to love like Jesus. And then Stone Street describes how the waves of cultural change, and you feel this, are washing over us. And along with that, the undercurrents and the riptides of an untethered culture are knocking many of us off course and sweeping some out to sea. Earlier this week, Beth and I were watching the news out of Philadelphia highlighting how hundreds of looters broke into stores. Did you see this story? In the middle of the day. And the reporter was interviewing someone and that person was struggling to put into words what he had seen. And then he finally landed on this phrase, quote, we're living in a society of lawlessness. That's a biblical word. Do you know that some stores have locked up deodorant and toothpaste because there's so much theft? Perhaps you heard this, because of crime, Walmart has closed or is closing 22 stores in North America this year. This week, I came across this headline in Fortune magazine, quote, Retail theft has gotten so bad, Walmart is building a police station inside an Atlanta store. Friends, we're living in days similar to those described at the end of the book of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Isaiah 5, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Jesus predicted what we see in our world today. Matthew 24, 12. And because, here's the word, lawlessness will be increased the love of many will grow cold. What a picture. So fellow followers of Christ, I appeal to you. Let me say it stronger. I exhort you. It's time for us to be unshaken in our faith and unashamed of the gospel. Here's a statement I've been working on, and I come back to it every several months. I came back to it this week and added some more to it, because as our society slips into lawlessness and lewdness, more and more people today are living without restraint and living without limits. Here's what I wrote down. Perhaps you'll find it helpful. What used to be considered an abomination, which led to lamentation, has become a celebration demanding participation and affirmation. What was formerly unthinkable has now become unquestionable. And since Christians are often canceled when they tell the truth, Many have chosen to cave, to compromise, or to remain quiet. 
Church, we can no longer be silent. This is why we started where we did today, because if you're not abiding in God's word, you're going to be swept away by all that's going on in the culture. You won't know what's true and what's not true. We must be unshaken in our faith and unashamed of the gospel. It's time for us to be convictional about sin, including our own sins, courageous for our Savior, but don't leave this last part up, while being compassionate towards sinners as we witness to the timeless truth of Jesus, who alone can set us free from our sins. Let's take courage from the words of Martin Luther. I cannot and I will not recant anything. For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other so help me, God. And so began the Protestant Reformation. Number three, test the teaching you hear. Not every bestseller is the best book to read. Not every podcast is worth your time. Uh, not every YouTube video saying some conspiracy theory or some truth that this person has is worth watching. Not every popular preacher is worth listening to. First John 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. That means you should check what I say as well. So let me say this, and this has gripped me just recently. Pastors trained in our conservative Bible schools and seminaries are watering down the gospel. And they're no longer preaching about sin. They're redefining marriage and they're capitulating to the LGBTQ plus agenda. According to 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, we shouldn't be surprised by this. It always surprises me when I, when I hear it, when I hear of a pastor. But we shouldn't be surprised because... Well, this is what we read. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the, listen to this phrase and think of our topic, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Listen to this warning from 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. We just preached through 2 Timothy. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, this is quite a phrase, they'll accumulate, they'll add up, they'll put together, these are their favorites, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. 
I know I've shared this illustration before, but it is so vivid in my mind that I'm going to share it again. And I'm telling you that I know I've shared it, so you're not out there going, he just shared that. (laughs) When our youngest daughter, Megan, was about eight years old, I remember in our previous uh, community, we were down in the basement sitting on a couch together, and I was uh, previewing a video from a very popular pastor. And Megan was sitting next to me, and I had a notebook open. I was kind of hunched over watching, taking notes. I found some things very interesting that he was saying. I was nodding at some of his tremendous insights. And I'll never forget this. It was so embarrassing. She said these words, Daddy, this doesn't sound right. I don't think he's being biblical. She was spot on. She had detected error before I did. Because I got caught up in these new insights and this preacher's popularity. That man who no longer believes in hell and subscribes to universalism is now a full-fledged heretic. Friends, if you don't know the truth of the Bible, you're not going to be able to spot error. I'm told that when bank tellers are being trained to recognize counterfeit money, they're simply given genuine money and they're told to touch it, smell it, get a feel for it, what it looks like. They become so familiar with what is real that when counterfeit comes by, they're like, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't smell right. This doesn't look right. Oh boy, one of the pastors from of old, and he's written a number of books, is worth considering. Check out these truths from A.W. Tozer. Each generation of Christians must look to its beliefs. While truth itself is unchanging, the minds of men are porous vessels out of which truth can leak and into which error may seep to dilute the truth they contain. The human heart is heretical by nature and runs to error as naturally as a garden to weeds. The heart that fails to cultivate truth and root out error will shortly be a theological wilderness. One reason we're to guard our doctrine and speak up for truth is because 1 Timothy 3.15 calls gathered believers who make up the local church, the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Pillars strengthen a building, buttresses provide support and protection. We've said it before, we have to say it again. The church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. Now, to learn more about how to be discerning and how to share the truth of the gospel, we're featuring some books in our resource center located to the right of the cafe. The first is a book by Elisa Childers called Live Your Truth and Other Lies. The second book, outstanding book on apologetics called Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions. Number four, recognize Satan as a liar. Satan's first lie is found in Genesis 3, 4, when he said to Eve, you will not surely die. And Satan and his evil forces always attack truth, and they're behind the telling of lies and the taking of innocent life. 
Jesus said it clearly, John 8, 44. He, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Why? Because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's why Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. James 4.7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Number five, live on mission in our messed up world. Friends, we can find encouragement from the words of Corey Ten Boom when describing the deplorable conditions of her imprisonment. She said this, and I would know again that in darkness, God's truth shines most clear. I'm reminded of a verse in 1 Chronicles 12.32. It says, the men of Issachar understood the times, the times in which they lived, and they knew the best course for Israel to take. Since Jesus is truth, we must be ready at all times to tell others the truth about him. Think with me about that famous exchange between Jesus and Pontius Pilate. Jesus made it clear he's the true king, and actually, Pilate was really on trial, not him. Listen to John 18, 37. You say that I am a king. Jesus says, for this purpose I was born, for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the, what? To the truth. That's why he came. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Now, Pilate then asks the question. It still echoes down through the centuries. Pilate said, what is truth? So here's Jesus, truth incarnate, standing right in front of Pilate, and he missed it. You see, for him, it was either a rhetorical question he didn't need to answer, or maybe he was curious or cynical or indifferent or irritated or insincere. But what is clear is that he acted on what was expedient. The very next verse, he went back outside. He didn't stick around for the answer. Friends, truth is not so much a what, but a who. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. J. Warner Wallace's testimony is all about how truth penetrated his life. Listen to what he says. I'm not a Christian because it works for me. I had a life prior to Christianity that seemed to be working just fine. And my life as a Christian hasn't always been easy. Check this. I'm a Christian because it is true. I'm a Christian because I want to live in a way that reflects the truth. I'm a Christian because my high regard for the truth leaves me no alternative. Friend, can you handle the truth of the gospel? See, because we are sinners, Jesus offered his life in our place, taking the blame for all of our sin, all of our shame, and his amazing grace obliterated our atrocious guilt. When his blood was shed, God the Father accepted the sacrifice of God of his son's life as full and final payment for our sins. God's righteous and holy wrath was fully satisfied by the death and resurrection of our living Lord Jesus. He is the truth and he can set you free today. Don't go outside until you can answer this question. What is truth or better, who is truth? truth. See, knowing the truth is good, but you must also respond to it. It's time to repent of your sins and receive him into your life. If you want to know the truth, 
Get to know the one who is truth and then follow the truth of what he says in his word of truth. Jesus always tells the truth about our condition, our need for salvation, how to be born again, how to pray, how to forgive, how to love, and how to live on mission. In a world filled with lies, half-truths, confusion, and uncertainty, Jesus prays this prayer for his followers in John chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The Greek word for truth literally means to unhide or hiding nothing. The idea is that truth is always there. Truth may be evaded, but you can't make it evaporate. The Hebrew word for truth means firmness, constancy, and durability. True truth is timeless and can be relied upon. Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to listen to this message again, you can now download episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts by going to edgewoodbaptist.net. We'd love to have you as a guest at one of our three weekend services, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 1045. My name is Matt Williams, and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's Word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.